Good morning and welcome again. Today, we're going to continue in our Acts series today. And so I know we've had our scripture reading, but I want to invite you to open your Bibles and leave them open to the book of Acts chapter 9. Because I hope as we look at the Word of God, we will look at a familiar story, but it's my hope that you will learn from it an unfamiliar lesson. In Acts chapter 9, and I'll be reading from the New King James Version. In Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 1, the Bible reads, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Verse 3. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So trembling and astonished, he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were open, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and he was there three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. We'll pause right there. Don't miss the miracles in the middle. Our Bible story tells us today that Saul was not in Jerusalem, nor was Saul yet in Damascus when he experienced truth in transition. Somewhere along the journey from where he was to where he wanted to be, Jesus manifested himself in the middle. That 135 mile trip from Jerusalem to Damascus, in the middle is where Jesus decided to meet Paul and manifest his glory to Saul. Don't miss the miracles in the middle. Some of us are so busy looking forward to the future, to where we're going or what we're gonna go get next, that we don't see what God is doing for us today. Others of us are so busy dwelling in the past, reminiscing of the good old days, that we fail to see what God is doing in the present. I mean, think about it. As Christians, we spend so much time studying Genesis in the beginning, or we spend so much time of our effort studying eschatology at the end of time in Revelation, both of which are very important. But sometimes, as we look back or we look forward, we miss what Jesus is doing in our lives for the here and the now. And so we rush 
from one phase of our lives to the next. From kids in high school, we go to college, and from college, we get a career, and from our career, we get a better career, and then finally, at the end of our career, we look forward to retirement. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Uh, for those of us who are, uh, for those of you who are single, you rush from being single to being married to having kids to kicking the kids out of the house. Any amens on that one? No. <laughs> to waiting for the kids to come back into the house. And we move from one transition to another. Sometimes missing what God is trying to tell us in the middle the truth that he's trying to present to us in the transitions of our life. You know, as Christians, I think it would be good for us to remember our original identity according to the scriptures. Because according to verse two of our Bibles this morning, we were not originally called Christians, nor were we originally called Seventh-day Adventists, even though I love that title. But if you look at verse two, Christians were originally called people of the way. They were disciples of the way. They were followers of the way. That following Jesus wasn't so much about the grand cathedrals or the large worship services. It wasn't about the crowded committees where all the important matters of the church take place. But followers of the way experienced Jesus in the mundane moments of their life, in the middle of their life that as they were on the way, they shared the love of Jesus. Uh, that as they were preaching the gospel, they didn't wait for Sabbath, but, but they did it along the way. That they taught their kids about Jesus, not just one day of the week, but every day along the way. Jesus manifested himself to Paul, not in uh, Jerusalem, nor in Damascus, but in the middle of the road, Jesus made himself know, known to Saul. Don't miss the miracles in the middle. But the Bible continues and tells us that Jesus did not only manifest himself to Paul in the middle, but he mentors Paul in the, he in the Greek and Saul in the Hebrew in the middle. Look at verse four. Jesus encounters, uh, Saul encounters Jesus. And the Bible says, then he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus, he mentors Saul in the middle. And notice how he doesn't try to direct a question to what Saul is doing, but to why Saul is doing what he's doing. As he's mentoring Saul, he's helping him recognize his motivations. If you're looking for a good mentor in your life, try to find someone who's less interested in telling you what they did and more interested in asking you what you're into. If you're looking for a mentor in your life, try to find someone who's not so interested in, in, in bragging about their past accomplishments, but who are, is more interested in what your future dreams are. Saul, he's in the middle, and Jesus, he mentors Saul in the middle of his journey. And he gets to the motivation of the matter. 
Because Saul is doing the wrong thing, but he's doing it for kind of the right reasons. Uh, I don't know if any of you uh, have, have noticed, but the Spencerville Adventist Church, we, we run a baseball t uh, league out in the summer. And I'm coaching a very, very serious, serious division. Lower division. Ages five to seven. Whew, stressful. And uh, you're teaching these kids for the first time how to play baseball. And they've never played baseball before in their life. And so they're learning the basics, things that we take for granted. And they have all the right intentions, you know? They have all the right motivation. But when they're up to bat and they swing the ball, they hit the ball, and everyone's screaming, run, run, run. And half the time, you'll have the kid running with all his might, but in the wrong direction. <laughs> he's not going to first. He's going to second, and sometimes he's going to third. Uh, I've got one kid on my team who is uh, the best at getting the ball on defense. You hit it anywhere, he will run, he will bulldoze his way, and he will get that ball. When he's up to bat, gets a good hit, and you know who the first person to the ball is? Him. He runs straight to the ball because uh, he's got, he's got the, the, the right motivation. He's, he's trying to do it for the right reasons, but he's just, he's just going the wrong direction. Uh, in our story today, Saul is kind of like a kid learning baseball. He, he's, he's doing the wrong thing, persecuting the followers of God, but he's doing it for the right reasons. Because listen now, Saul didn't grow up with the same type of Bible lessons that you and I grow up with. He didn't grow up with, you know, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. No, no, no. Saul was taught that men of God had zeal, had passion, and that sometimes men who followed God had to commit, commit acts of violence. He grew up with stories about the Levites, who were chosen to be the priesthood of God, not originally, but because when Moses came down from the mountain and he had the Ten Commandments, the rest of Israel was worshiping a golden calf, and it was the Levites who killed 3,000 people to stop the idolatry. See, Saul was raised with different Bible story emphasis than we were. Uh, he, he didn't grow up with the song, Jesus loves the little children all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves all the children of the world. Now, he didn't grow up with that. He grew up with stories of a man named Phineas who took a spear and he thrust it through the stomach of a Simeonite who was committing idolatry and adultery in front of the sanctuary. And because that man took an act of violence, the plague of Israel of over, that killed over 24,000 people stopped. See, Saul didn't grow up with Bible stories and the emphasis with Bible stories like we did. He heard about the story of Elijah when God manifested himself from the fire from heaven, you remember, and consumed the altar. And after that, uh, uh, everyone knew that God was the God of Israel. They didn't emphasize that part of the story when he was growing up. They emphasized what Elijah did after the fire came down from heaven how Elijah took a sword and he killed many of the prophets of Baal. And Saul 
was going the wrong way, persecuting the people of Jesus. But in his mind, he kind of had the right intentions because he was trying to be faithful to God. You know, guys, sometimes uh, I see Christians kind of like Saul, who in some type of sense of fighting for the right, higher principles, or doing something for God, they inadvertently and sometimes on purpose hurt other people. Today, we don't grab swords, thank the Lord, but we do sit behind our computer screens and type messages that hurt people. We don't grab spears, but we do sit on committees that make decisions that hurt people. And sometimes we think we're doing it for the greater good, but I want to point your attention to how Jesus takes the pain that we cause others. Because Jesus says to Saul, he doesn't say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting them? He doesn't say that. He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus takes the pain that we cause others personally. And listen, that's why the middle of the road is so important. That's why we need to slow down sometimes from going from where we are to where we're trying to be so that Jesus can mentor us in the middle and he can hold us back and he can reconvict us and say, wait a second, you gotta stop hurting people in my name. You gotta stop persecuting other people in my name. Jesus, he not only makes himself known and meets Saul in the middle, but he mentors Saul in the middle so that he can steer him away from hurting others into a nice and more peaceful path. The conversation and the mentorship continues in verse five when Saul responds. He says in verse five, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And then he says this interesting phrase in the New King James Version, which is found in other parts of Acts 22 and 26. He says this, it is hard for you to kick against the goats. It's a strange uh, agricultural expression that pictures out a man with a long stick with a pointed uh, tip on the end. And as the animal would go in the wrong direction, you would pick at him so that he would kind of with a sharp stick go in the right direction. See, a, a lot of the times when we look at the story and the conversion of Saul, we think that his conversion happened right in a moment. But this passage, which mentions it's hard for you to kick against the goads. Listen now, listen, this is good. Uh, it shows us that Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, had been poking and prodding the conscience of Saul long before his road trip to Damascus. And, and sometimes people wonder, uh, what was bothering Saul's conscience? And they say, maybe it was a message from Jesus that he heard when he was in Jerusalem years ago that was always with Saul that he never let go of. That could have been possible, but it's not in the Bible. Uh, but the Bible writer of Luke, he, he parallels, listen now, the story in Acts chapter nine with the story in Acts chapter seven to give us a hint of what was bothering Saul's conscience on the road to Damascus. And I'll point out some of the parallels between the story of Saul and the story 
of Stephen. In the story of Saul, he begins talking to the high priest. In the story of Stephen, in Acts chapter 7, he's talking to the high priest. In Acts chapter 9, Saul sees a vision of Jesus that no one else can see. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen sees a vision of Jesus standing at the right hand of God that no one else can see. In Acts chapter 9, Saul, he hears a message of Jesus that he understands that no one else understands. And in Acts chapter 7, Stephen gives a message from Jesus that no one else could understand because they stopped their ears, they plugged their ears. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen is stoned to death. And in Acts chapter 9, Saul is reborn in Christ. There are miracles that happen in the middle. And sometimes Jesus slows us down from where we have left to where we are going so that he can reconvict us of what he has already spoken to our hearts in the past. Ellen White goes to say this very specific thing that I think is wonderful. She says that it was the stoning of Stephen that was the catalyst to Saul's conversion. It wasn't just a momentary thing on the middle of the road to Damascus, but throughout his travels, he had seen the face of Stephen. Saul had seen the martyrdom of Stephen. He had remembered the words of Stephen as he died and with his face, it lighted up like Jesus. And he said, Father, Forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Saul, he's mentored by God in the middle on the way to Damascus. And sometimes, friends, we need to stop hurrying from one place to another so that while we are in transition, we can have Jesus speak to us where we are today. You know, transition, I know why people rush through it. I know why we rush from selling our home to buying another one or rush from one career to another or we rush from one job to another because in the middle of life, there's some pain. There's some heartache. Look at Saul's circumstance, you know? He's in the middle of his transition. He gets knocked to the ground. He's made blind. He's helpless. Someone has to lead him home. And also, he's so convicted of his sin and guilt, he doesn't eat or drink for three days. I know why some of us rush our way through life because when we sit there to dwell in the middle sometimes, we realize there's pain in life. I mean, take it from me, I just came from Canada, a transition from Canada in the middle of a global pandemic. And uh, it's something I wouldn't recommend. But you, you, you're leaving, you're grieving where you've left and you're sad for what you've left and at the same time, you're anxious about where you're going to land. And so we, we rush through the middle phases of our life. We rush from here to there rather than to stop for a moment, like on the Sabbath, and appreciate where Jesus can speak to us in the day today. Because I want to tell you, friends, Jesus is not only the God of the beginning. He's not only the God of the end. He's not only the God of the Alpha or the God of the Omega, but Jesus is also 
the master in the middle. Jesus is the master in the middle. Do you know how I know? Because it was on the journey that Jacob had left his mother's house to get to his uncle's house. It was in the middle that Jesus made himself known on that ladder. Don't you remember? Jesus is the master in the middle. You know how I know? Because it wasn't when Moses was a prince in Egypt, nor was it when he was a leader in Israel, but it was in the mundane moments of his life when he was a shepherd boy that God manifested himself on the burning bush. Jesus is the master of the middle. Do you know how I know? Because it was on the journey from Jericho that Zacchaeus, that wee little man, met Jesus in a tree in the middle. And Jesus mentored him in the middle. Jesus is the master of the middle. Do you know how I know? Because it was on the road to Emmaus that the disciples were taught by Jesus the scriptures and they saw a deeper truth about the God in heaven. Jesus is the master in the middle. Do you know how I know? Because it was on the road to Damascus that Saul the persecutor became Paul the preacher. Jesus is the master of the middle. And dear Seventh-day Adventists, I want to remind you that as Jesus comes soon, we're not going to meet him on the earth, nor we're going to meet him in heaven. For if we met him on earth, that would be the Antichrist. And if we met him in heaven, that would be a spiritual delusion. But the Bible says when Jesus comes again, that we will meet Jesus in the air, in that place between earth and heaven, because Jesus is the master of the middle. And I want to encourage you, no matter what transition you're facing, no matter what middle of the road you are in, that Jesus is there and Jesus does care. Do not miss the miracles in the middle.